in three, two, one. Each year, taking the time to rethink your business and your life will help you focus on what's important, eliminate the distractions limiting your performance, and create a framework from which you can grow beyond yourself. To help us understand what we should be rethinking is best-selling author, award-winning speaker, and popular coach, Jim Cathcart. Well, hi, Jim. Welcome to the program. We're delighted to have you back again. Hey, it feels like home. I'm glad to be back. Thank you. And Happy New Year. I'm assuming you had a good holiday season? A wonderful holiday season. We're delighted to have you kick off season two as well. We're just starting season two. So we had a very successful season one and you were part of that. And so thanks again for joining us and being a friend of the show. So we're delighted to have you. You're welcome. Well, the nice thing about this for me and the coincidence for the show is that rethinking is something I've taught for years and practiced for decades. And the best time for rethinking is just after the holidays. Exactly. Oh, here we are. And this time of year, we do tend to reflect on this. And I have a good buddy of mine, David Irvine. And I don't know if you know, David talks on accountability and authenticity, but he talks all about this as well. And he sets one day apart in which he can set his goals, his values and part. But I'm excited about this because in your framework, you devote the final week of the year to rethinking your personal business life. And so you've expanded on what, you know, David talks about for himself. Let's talk about that program. Give us the overview of that. How does that work? Sure. What I do each year is I ask myself, is this the way I want to be living my life? And it's okay if I say sure and go ahead with everything just as is, but rarely is that the case. Because during the course of the year, I've had new experiences, met new people, expanded my awareness in a lot of ways, and gotten different results based on, of course, the world situation, local situation, the economy, and everything else. So I'd start the week by just saying, hey, do I still want what I wanted this time last year? And it might not be that I do. Maybe I've checked off a few things and they're done. Maybe I got closer to some of the others and said, nah, that's not what I had in mind, you know. But I look over that, just kind of a helicopter up and look at my life. Working, not working. Perfect, near perfect. What? And then I start getting specific after that. So the first day is just to review how I'm living my life. Second day. Before we go there, let's do this. Let's unpack some of those because, man, you've got some really good gems in there. I love the concept of the week because I know, and you do talk about this, you don't spend the whole week on it, the whole day during the week on day one. So day one, you're rethinking your goals and your dreams. Do I still want what I wanted last year? You're evaluating what you spent about an hour on that on each of those days. Typically, it's more than an hour. But my best time for that kind of thing is in the morning. Some people prefer the evenings. But I like to just get a quiet place and a nice cup of coffee and a blank sheet of paper. And that's a great way to do that from a format point of view. When it comes to goals, I always have mixed feelings with goals because when we set the goal, we have that long-term expectation that we're going to achieve it. We hope we do. But again, we don't always allow room for evolution, things to change, circumstances to change. So when we set long-term goals, you recommend that we keep them flexible and learn to bob and weave so we don't have to wait to the end of the year to change it again? because the goals ought to be the reflection of the purpose in your life. I spent a lot of time with a man named Tom Vacola assessing my life from birth to now. 
and looking at the turning points and the milestones along the way, and then identifying the patterns and themes that sort of jumped out as we looked at two days worth of download from me. And I clearly identified my personal purpose in life. Now, that doesn't mean that that's the purpose given to me. It means the one that I feel is the one driving me. Sure. And it's directly related to the biblical passage, though not intentional. The biblical passage, John 10.10, I've come that they would have life and have it more abundantly. So in a non-religious context, I believe my greatest satisfaction and fulfillment comes from helping other people live more abundantly. And in order to do that, I must do that. What does that mean? It means living fully in all the categories, mental, physical, family, social, spiritual, career, financial, emotional. Right. If I'm just focusing on one or two of those, then the others are going to stand there quietly at first. Then they're going to get restless. And then they're going to intrude and say, forget the things you're focused on. We're taking over. For example, if I neglect my health and just focus on money, then at some point, my health is going to say, my turn, and we're going to the hospital. Right. Right? If I neglect my money, then at some point, it's going to say, my turn, we're going bankrupt. If I neglect my relationships, my turn, we're going to divorce court, or we're going to a lawyer to settle a dispute, right? Right. So whatever it is in my life that's not getting my attention had better get my attention soon, because you cannot go for too long without attending to the needs of all the different parts of your life. No, I got that from our last conversation last year, and I made some adjustments based on our conversation. So for instance, I had work and then family and then friends, and work was really the predominant factor and driving factor. And I changed that to family, friends, and work. Mm -hmm. And much better year, really enjoyed the year. And so I really love this framework. That's why I want to spend some time on it because it's most practical, most helpful. So this one, yeah. day one, then it sets your purpose up. It's your dream. This is what's going to get you out of bed well, in the morning. It, it's, and it's reflecting on whatever that has been up to now. My personal purpose is to allow life to express itself as fully as possible through me in helping people grow. That's my corporate slogan. Always has been since 1975. Well, I know it's been that way since I've known, starting with the ACORN principle and everything's yeah. all about the growth. So yeah. I get it. Now, day two, you talk about rethinking your values and your beliefs. Are they working? Am I living the standards that I care about? Let's talk more about that. Yeah. If it's not affecting your actions, if it's not showing up in your actions, chances are good you don't believe it. And let me give you another way of looking at that. I can tell what matters to you by watching your daily behaviors. You say, well, no, I do this because I have to do this. But what I really care about is that. No, if you really cared about that, you'd be doing that also. That's right. What you're saying is I care more about accommodating whatever demands are on me than I do about fulfilling whatever seeds are in me. Right. So if you say, well, yeah, I would do that. I care about that more, but I have to do X and Y. No, you choose to do X and Y. Well, if I don't do X and Y, I get in trouble. Okay. So you choose to avoid that trouble. Yeah, it's still and your that's choice. more important to you than the other thing. So what do you value? What do you really value? And is it showing up in your life day to day? Is it driving your decisions? Or are you just going along with a former self because that's comfortable? 
that's what others expect from you. That's what you're used to. Well, what you're used to is what you used to do. And uh, that's where you're still going to be if something doesn't change. So what do you believe is so? And do those beliefs work? For example, someone says, what's your belief about life? Well, I believe that the world is a passage of woe and a burden, and we get our rewards in heaven afterwards. So why don't you hurry the process and die early? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no, just I... burn out in the process. But that's a dysfunctional belief. Yeah. We are given tools and opportunities to do good or to do nothing or to do harm. And I believe we ought to be doing as much good as we can do. Well, yeah, I don't want to just work for others. What about me? Excuse me. Doing good is the most satisfying and enjoyable thing for you. You'll be happier. You'll be healthier, live longer, make more money. And others will want to be around you if you're fulfilling what you truly believe in and not putting yourself second to everybody else. Well said, and it's really having the courage to put those first and adjust those values. Again, looking at these and how I applied them over the years since our last conversation, are they working? Are these the standards that I want to be? Is this my definition of people saw me here? Or what are my values? I've always Mm -hmm. believed if you look at your checkbook for a month, I can tell you what you value right? What you spend your money on, what you spend your time on. Yeah, look at the check register. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And you can see, okay, are you watching TV? Are you doing this? And just, for instance, my parents were immigrants. We worked hard, paper routes at 10 years old, always had a job. And it's about the scarcity. So I've always operated from a, man, I got to keep working all the time. I'm not going to have enough. Well, according to who? I've never believed in retirement. Retirement's construction. The financial industry created these products. So, oh, you can retire. Well, I saw one stat that said the average executive is dead 36 months after retirement because they have nothing to do. That's the thing. Retire to or retire from? See, my dad retired from the phone company after 35 years, but he didn't retire to something new. And his life deteriorated very quickly. And at age 80, he was gone. Yeah. Mom had plenty of things going on, lived to 90. Yeah. So those that retire to a new activity, and I don't mean leisure. Right. I'm not talking about fishing and golf. I'm talking about to a new sense of purpose, a reason to get up in the morning, something to Even do. if it's charity, even if it's charity yeah, and you're donating your time, mentoring, coaching, whatever it is, it keeps the mind active too. And it's, if you look at the people who do live a long time, you look at the Warren Buffetts of the world, he's in his nineties and he's still one of the brightest minds out there. Well, it's like George Burns famously said, <laughs> they said, how do you know you're going to live to be a hundred? He said, because I'm booked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, look at Tony, look at Tony Bennett. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at our presidential candidates and stuff without getting into the t- team, I mean, yeah. you've got people in their seventies and eighties who, you know, whatever side of the spectrum you're on are still out right. there serving or doing their best in the country. So I think it keeps our mind going. I think, like I say, skip retirement, retire from a job, sure, but retire to something. So good little value bomb there. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions, featuring Active Campaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? Active Campaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e commerce, B2C, and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. Active Campaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. 
You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose Active Campaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the Active Campaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred, How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Jim Cathcart. Day three, you talk about rethinking your daily work patterns and your habits. And I want to dive into this because there's some good stuff in here. And when do you start and stop? and what drives you. So like your goals are, am I in the box or how soon do I become productive each day? Let's talk mm -hmm. about that. Cause I think this affects everybody. This well, one's a critical one. This is an old joke. I remember from the early days of my speaking career, someone at a, a speaker's convention said, I asked a client the other day, how many people work for you? And he said, about half. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, that tends to be the case. Right. If you look at how many people in any organization are genuinely engaged, genuinely yeah, yeah. giving of themselves to do their best, it's a small number. Yeah. And you can examine their work patterns. I mean, just show up some morning and sit there with a cup of coffee and watch them. How long before he or she gets in the office before they become productive, right? They get into the office. They say, what are you doing? I'm fixing to go to work. That's Southern word. Right. Fixing to means getting ready to, but you're not at work yet. Yeah. So you come in, you take off your coat, you hang it up, you go over, you say hi to Jane and Ellen. Hey, Bob, good to see you again. Okay. Did you get that? Yeah. Okay, good. Thanks. And then you sit down and you say, oh, and you go back over and you grab a cup of coffee and you get it fixed just right. And you come back to your desk and you sit down and you reposition things and you say, okay, and open up. Let's see if I've got any messages. Now, when did you go to work? Well, you may not be at work yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yep. And all of that was just fixing to just getting ready time. Well, look at your own patterns. When you wake up in the morning, before you get out of bed, what's in your mind? I find that that's the most productive point of the day yeah, I agree. for my thinking, not for my work, my thinking. Because I, I can lay there before I even open my eyes and just realize that I'm awake and start reflecting on the day ahead and thinking, I guess it's not reflecting, it's projecting. But anyway, thinking about the things I'm going to be dealing with and what might be done differently or better. And I find that all kinds of little nuances that I wouldn't have thought of otherwise come to me. Right. So well, then I get out of bed, I freshen up a little bit. And because I work out of my home now, I'm able to be at work very early. But I'm productive from the moment I get up, though I didn't start out that way. My wife, this is honest truth, in my 20s and 30s, 20s, late 20s, my wife had to pull me to a sitting position in bed in the mornings to get me to get up because I was just hugging the pillow and trying to stay asleep for who knows, eternity. And she would say, Jim, it's time to get up. Yeah, okay, I'll be there in a minute. Jim, no, seriously. I mean, you're going to be late, Jim, Jim, come on. Well, how sad and pathetic is that? Right, Mike? Well, that's why we have strong women. And I think Paula and you've been married for, I think you've just gone past half a century. You're like 53, 54. 52 years. 52. Yeah. Wow, fantastic. So, well, and that's what's interesting about the pattern. We have a program on what we call radical productivity. And we've both worked with sales organizations over decades of our careers. And I used to tell VPs and CEOs that with almost 100% 
surety that your sales force or your team members are really operating at about a 65% efficiency. Just 65. You have your keeners that are really grinding out and doing it, but the average person works to the level at which they feel comfortable and that they feel mm-hmm. that they're valued, change of value. So they'll always cheat the system. And because I, I was asking, mm-hmm. I've never had anyone say no to me. I said, if we had a stretch target, if we had stretch productivity goal, and there was a significant enough reward in there for you, is there more for you to give? And I've never had anyone say, nope, I'm 100%. They always go, yep, there's something more for me to give. So the secret is yes. like, how do we bring that motivation, right? But the work patterns are good. We both work similarly. I'm a 5 a.m. guy, and I like to get up. I get to the day, but I'm immediately starting again, emptying my brain out, getting a lot of the production going by Mm -hmm. noon. I've had a full day and I try and do the most productive things I can before 11 o'clock. That way they're done. I allow room for things to interrupt my day, but only in the afternoon. Just notice for at least a week, record every single thing you do every single day. I mean, all day long, and make a record of it and make record the same day it happened. Don't wait till the next day yep. to record yesterday and just write it down. Don't judge it. Just write it down. Then reflect on it and see what are your work and life patterns. Like this one guy, I said, what's your personal velocity? And I had people go through an exercise and I said, is anyone in here low velocity? And the guy said, my velocity is low. Velocity is your energy and right. drive natural patterns. And I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I work on the trading floor at the New York Stock Exchange. I said, oh, my God. That's chaos. How do you feel about that? He said, it's thrilling. He said, it's like being in the middle of an Olympic competition every day. And I said, but your natural velocity is low. He said, yeah, I'm running off of the other people's batteries most of the day. I said, well, what happens at the end of the day? He said, I go home and my family knows to leave me alone for the first hour and I take a good stiff drink and go lay down. I said, well, there's going to be a time soon where illness will be a major factor for you. So I suggest you look at changing your role to work at something you can sustain all day long without needing recovery. And I said, I'm not saying quit your job. I'm just saying alter your job to fit who you are so you can be doing it 10 years from now. Yeah. Because you got a good year at most before this current pattern turns you into an alcoholic or stresses you out and puts you in the hospital. Yeah, it's actually a good time to, and I have to focus on this as well. Like I would start my daily habit. I used to crank up the news and just read the headlines first thing. And I found it affected my attitude really quickly. It was so negative. So that part's a tough one though, because those habits, we have to form those new habits. And when do we start our productivity? When do we end it? My wife's more productive in the afternoon and evening. She's in Mm -hmm. high productive mode during the morning. Not so much. For me, it's in the morning time. So everybody's a little different. But I found when I'm fatigued mentally, that's when I'll go for a walk, 45 minutes or a treadmill. And that might be the second workout for the day. And a lot of people think that when they're emotionally tired or intellectually tired, that they're physically tired because it feels like you are. Yeah. But the fact is, physically, you got plenty left. That's right. And all you need to do is activate that and get outside and move around and get your steps things or something, some resistance going. Yep. And you get revived. Yeah. No, absolutely. For day four, it was interesting. This kind of an extension of this. It's rethinking your personal habits, not different from your work habits and patterns and routines. How do you start and adapt and end each day? So is that goal achieving or merely tension relieving? 
Yeah, that's the big thing. I got that line from Earl Nightingale years ago. Is it goal achieving or tension relieving? Well, reaching for a drink is tension relieving. Right. Reaching for a notepad or a telephone is goal achieving. But if what you're doing is picking up the phone to scroll through your Facebook comments and posts, not so much. Right. This is one of the most tempting day destroyers there is. Mobile device, yeah. Yeah. So you really need to be conscious and intentional about how you use it because you can use it really well. It's wonderful technology. It just happens to have a downside to it if you don't use it wisely. And there, what I just said contains the key word for all of this, intentional. Live your life intentionally, every minute of it. Yeah. And if you take it one day at a time, I think it makes sense. If you look at the long term, it can be overwhelming. And what's important today might not be important tomorrow. And so I like that idea. I try and, like I say, I do my heavy lifting brain-wise in the morning. In the afternoons Mm -hmm. at three o'clock, I'll go sit outside where I'm in Arizona. And usually the afternoons are nice. We have 320 days of sunshine. You know what that's like from living in California. But that's where I might make phone calls. And I'll do my follow-up and my emails. And I'm relaxing a little bit. But it doesn't require the same horsepower as the morning does. And the afternoon. So it's changing that. But by five o'clock, I kind of want to be done. I start getting gibberish. And my wife says, and you're a professional. And (laughs) I like to relax in the evening. And then we go for a walk after dinner. And it's good. And just as a personal habit, and this is something I was excited to share it with you when I knew we were having another conversation. On the personal level, what I've tried to do is how do we do things together and how can I bring my wife in? And so in the mornings, one of the first things I do with my wife every morning is we have a dance and we actually dance. So every morning. And so when I see her, I'm up earlier, about two, three hours ahead of her. But when she shows up and she's still waking up, I'll throw mm-hmm. on some Chris Stapleton, Tennessee whiskey, and maybe something, <laughs> you know, and of course you have the musical abilities to play for your wife. So that's good. But we actually do a little dance and you know what? It makes for a better day as well. So it's not just a good work habit. It actually sets you up from your emotional network and support network. Yeah. And I start every day dancing with my wife. And it's, I admire you for that. And you so know, that's a new thing, but payoff's been phenomenal. Yeah. Paula and I have totally different views on lunch. She wouldn't say it this way, but her behavior shows that she believes lunch may well be the reason people were created. And yeah. so she loves lunch. Right. And when she gets up in the morning, yeah, get breakfast out of the way. Let's go do lunch. Right. And if I want to go to some great breakfast restaurant, she'll say, well, let's go like at 1030 or 11 so that she can make a lunch of it. Right. Well, I want to go at 6 or 7 a.m. and then have pancakes and eggs and all those things. Anyway, what I do for lunch, because I consider lunch to be an interruption to a perfectly productive day, is I'll get a snack or something or a smoothie. Right. And then I'll grab my guitar and sit in here and play and sing because it completely changes my energy patterns and what I'm focused on. And I try to always play at times like that songs that I haven't played in a long time without looking up the music on it. It's good cognitive exercise too. Sure. So it's good. exercise. like this morning I was doing a James Taylor tune. I was on a podcast and the podcaster said, said he loves James Taylor. And I said, well, hang on just a second. And I picked it up and I did fire and rain just yesterday morning. They let me know you were gone. So I did that and I hadn't played it in probably a year, but I was able to pull it off. 
get right through it. And I think having those rituals are important. I saw a study and I've been testing it where we can stay focused for about 50 minutes is the ideal time, 45 to 50 minutes of intense mm -hmm. focus time. And so as entrepreneurs, business people, sales professionals, how can we employ that? And so what I do is I'll set a timer. I shut off all distractions. I have an app that closes out everything. So no distractions. Headphones go on sometimes where my office knows mm -hmm. not to bother me. And I'll work 50 minutes with focus and different music. I usually have some light jazz or something like going in the background, just kind of calming. And I just focus and the time just zips by. And then I take a 10 minutes, re relax the eyes a little bit. After a couple of hours, I'll go get a walk-in for 45 minutes to an hour. So I get my 10,000 steps going or go for a run. And again, later in the afternoon, same story. And I listen to a book. I'll listen to Jim Cathcart audios. And so it's my walking university. And so I'm listening, I'm reading with my ears. So I don't waste the time. It's part of my R&D time. And what so, I'm hearing is exceptionally good example of intentional living. Yeah. That's the whole point of everything we've been saying is live the way you intend to live. Make yourself do the things that are going to bring you joy and outcomes that you care about. And they say, well, you've got a lot of self-discipline. Well, self-discipline is acquired in nano bits and must be assembled. So you might point. have 3,700 moments of self-discipline during the day, but if you don't link them together into something that's useful, then your day was not intentional. It was spontaneous, and it may have been a little bit relaxing, but it sure wasn't satisfying. So you're talking about being proactive and designing our day, and I love that. And in some of your material, you actually talk about that. For instance, plan the perfect week. What's the perfect month look like? Perfect year, what is that going to look like, the accomplishments? perfect month, yeah. perfect week. And then today, and I know I have today, I don't know if I have tomorrow and I designed that week. And after every week or two, I go, how did that week go? And mm -hmm. how's my confidence? How's my attitude? How am I feeling? And I'll adjust it. So I'm not waiting for another quarter to go along. If something's not working, I mix it and make those adjustments. But I know what a perfect day looks like. Is it always perfect? No. Is there fires to put out? Are there storms to deal with? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But you're more prepared to do it and just go, all right, it's just par for the course. It's sometimes the weather changes and we have to change along mm -hmm. with it. So no, excellent. Day five, you talk about rethinking your primary relationships, who you want to spend your time with, how much time you spend with, and how mm -hmm. do they affect you and how do you affect them? Unpack that for us. Well, most people accumulate relationships instead mm. of choosing them. It's who you ended up hanging with because they were part of the new company right. where you mm. went to work or the new community, or you know them through church or school or their relatives, whatever. It's like one time we were talking about some family members, and I think it was my wife said, well, of course I love them because they're family. And I said, that's not automatic. Well, yeah, it, no, it may be implied and seem required but if that family member is a jerk and you really aren't willing to put your life on the line for theirs, then you don't love them. You can say that and it's nice, but that person's a jerk, even though they may have genetic links to you. Right. So I don't want jerks in my life. So they're welcome to come over on a holiday event, but they're not welcome to stay over for a week. Right. It's <laughs> and no, they don't get to join our local social right. circle because I don't want the world thinking that's the kind of person I am. Well, and it's important who are we associated with, and we should always try and pick people we can grow from and we can contribute to, but we can learn from as well, and we're good role models, well, right? And my sister, years ago, she had a friend, and let's call her Edna, 
That was not her name. Sure. So my sister's friend, Edna, was a sadness manufacturer. She looked right. for the clouds everywhere she went. And yeah. if she couldn't find any, she would make them. Schleprock, uh, I think. Flintstones had a character, Schleprock. Yeah. 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 And Al Cap's little Abner. Yeah. A guy named Joe Butzflick. And he carried a cloud around above him all the time. All the time. Well, that was Edna. So Edna was always cynical. You'd say, hey, my new book came out today. Yeah, but da 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 you know, or, hey, we hit the bestseller list. Well, those are kind of fabricated things. And it's not really a bestseller list. I mean, is it? And Your mom bought a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, you really look nice today, Edna. Well, you should have seen me yesterday. Never, never, never savor the good. Never right. look for the light. Yeah. And so I said to my sister, I know you guys are hanging around to each other a lot. I don't want you bringing her over anymore. And my sister said, well, wait a minute. She's my best friend. If you love me, then you accept my friends. I said, no, that's absolutely not true. That's right. And she said, well, yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, cause that's an extension of who I am. I said, well, then you're extending in a pretty negative direction. And I said, you, here's a key. Yep. You're welcome in my home 24, seven, 365 all the time. I love you. You're my sister. I would die for you. Right. Okay. She's not. And so if you choose her company, it's over my company, not plus my company. Right. You can hang out with her on your own. You can hang out with me on your own, but the three of us will not mix. Nice boundary. She said, I don't agree. And I said, it's okay that you don't agree, but you must accept that that's the fact. That's how it's yeah. going to be. Well, sometimes you have to make those hard choices. You know, just because they are family doesn't mean there's an obligation there. We feel like there is. We have family yeah. members or cousins, and I've met some family members or on both sides of the family. And there's those we love and want to hang out with. We connect. And there's those that were just, hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. But where do you want to spend your time? And really, my dad always said, if at the end of your life, if you have four or five friends, if you can count them on one hand, people who will bail you out, help you bury the body, so Call to speak. in the middle of the night. Right, yeah. exactly. And without asking questions. Those By the are, way, I've had that happen. Oh, no. Literally. My friend Sam Gross, many years ago, called me more than once in the middle of the night. Right. And uh, one time he said, Jim, come get me. I just wrecked our company van. I ran into a deer. And Sam owned a uh, grocery store his dad did. Sure. And he worked there. And so I was in my 20s. So I get up at midnight and I go and I meet Sam. And I had to drive like two hours because he was way out of town. Yeah. So I meet him and he says, okay, now take me to, to get my other company truck. So now here's two more hours. And he went back and I helped him load the dead deer into his truck. And then he took it back to Little Rock where we lived. So this was basically the whole night yep. I yeah. spent helping Sam out because he'd wrecked one truck and he had this other one. Then we put a dead deer in it. and He, took owes, it to you. A he owes you big time. Yeah. So we made venison and he did give me a steak. That's yeah. good. Well, that's good friends. <laughs> Day six, you talk about rethinking your financial habits and practices. Do you handle your money wisely? Are you being prudent and always know where you stand financially? Let's talk about that a little and bit. Do, that's you know, do you know where every dollar comes from and goes to? Right. My son came to me years ago as a teenager and he said, hey, I want an allowance. He said, it's so-and-so. My friend gets an allowance of X dollars a month. And pays a lot of his own bills out of that, but he gets an allowance and you pay for everything right now, but I want an allowance instead. And I said, well, 
I'll do that, but I'm not going to do the token thing like he does. We're going to sit down and determine why would you need or want money this coming year? Clothes, concerts, food, football games, food, candy, gifts, whatever, everything. And we're going to look at all that. I'll cover things like insurance and those kind of things, but all this other, you got to cover. And so he said, well, I don't know how many clothes I need. And I said, well, you need two shirts and one pair of pants. He said, well, no, it'll be more than that. I said, aha. Okay. So we literally, and this took several nights of us sitting together to come up with a description of everything he would probably spend money on in the course of a year. And I looked at all of it and we categorized it, school, personal, entertainment, et cetera. And I said, okay, I will fund 75% of that. And he says, what about the other 25? I said, get a job. That's it. So then we broke it into 12 equal parts. And I told him every month you get one 12th of this from me. And I said, but the only way you get it is by giving me a list of all the money that you received and spent the previous month. Wow. And don't wait a month to record it all, record it daily. Yeah. And he said, well, this is work. I said, well, this is money. Which do you want? You want freedom or and no work? Or do you want money? He right. said, well, I want money. So we did that for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And when he went off to college, he had thousands of dollars in savings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's a great habit. I like to look at my stuff every springtime. I do a spring clean and I look at every single expenditure and go, is it a want? Is it a need? Is it, do I have to have it? Is it nice to have? Is it something I've just neglected? Have I really used it? And if not, I kind of cut it loose. And even upgrading. I've fallen into the upgrade trap on iPhones. I'm an Apple guy. And I've always upgraded from day one. And this was the first season, the first year I went, you know what? This works great. I'm getting off of this train. I'll upgrade the next one. I'll go for 15. But do I really need it? So is it a need or is it a want? And exercise some of that discipline a little bit and be a little more wise with it. So, no, excellent. Well, listen, day seven, you talk about, and I love this one, rethinking your bucket list. What are the dreams, the goals, the milestones, the achievements that matter the most to you for your lifetime? And again, what are some of the bucket list items? How important is the bucket list? Yeah. Well, it's the thing that activates the child in you. The bucket list, I want to see the Parthenon in Athens. I want to go to the Grand Canyon. I want to jump out of an airplane and survive. I want to... Right. <laughs> that helps, yeah. Whatever you want to do, you right, know? Right, right. Write them down. I want to take my grandkids on a Disney cruise. I want to, you know... Yep. Without that list, it never happens. You can have the wants, but if you don't have them written down, they're not goals. So everybody has wants and wishes and dreams, but they're only goals if you write them down and intend to find a way to achieve them. Well, some people say, well, I would write it down, but I don't know how to achieve it. Well, that's the point. Right. If you know how to achieve it, it's not a goal, it's a to-do. Right. So goals are the things you write down before you have any idea how or whether they could be achieved. And then your mind and the rest of the cosmos goes to work on your behalf making it a reality, or at least facing you with the decision, am I willing to pay this much to get that to happen? Right. Start with the what. And then the why. Got it. Yeah. What is the what? I want to have a Rolls Royce. Really? Why? Right. Because so-and-so had a Rolls Royce, and I think it'd be cool, and people would be impressed. Yeah. Okay, a Rolls Royce is going to cost you X, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and the service call is going to be two or $3,000 just for oil changes and checkups. Yeah. Are you in for that? Well, no, but I. so what you want is the respect of the other people and the thrill of luxury and that. Is there another way to get it? Can we achieve it elsewhere? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think a Jaguar would do just nicely. Yeah. And a used one's okay. So, yeah. And then once we've discovered that what and why, and then it's a matter of going for it, and then, hey, what's the feeling I'm going to achieve once I've achieved it? What's the outcome? And sometimes those things change where it's like, hey, that's just not important anymore. And yeah. it can drop off the list. Now you have a bonus day. You have day eight in the morning, which I thought was interesting, but what percentage of your attention and energy is dedicated or committed to in each part of your life? As far as receiving some mind, body, family, your spirit, mm-hmm. friends, finances, career, emotions. Do you like the way you're dividing your attention at the present? Because there's a lot of things that can distract us. A lot of things that want our attention. How do you answer number eight? How do you apply number eight? Well, a friend of my colleague, Maura Thomas, Mm -hmm. lives here in Austin. She is what others would call a time management expert, but she approaches it differently. And this makes all the difference. She says, I don't teach time management. Time is outside our control. I teach attention management. Mm -hmm. Manage what you pay attention to. Wow. I think that's, that's a game changer right there. And by the way, when you get to all these goals and things that you've reflected on and set, on that last day, as you're looking at all of it, if you want to change your mind, change it. You can change any of them. Like Freud used to say, Sigmund Freud, he said that a lot of times he would go through a detailed analysis to make a decision. And then he would back off and look at the choice he had made. And he'd flip a coin maybe and see which side came up. And if he didn't like the side that came up, Change it. Well, I think the underlying theme here is it's about taking time. And remember, Michael Gerber always talked about working on our business versus working in our business. And this is you, Jim Cathcart, saying time to work on you and how you show up in the world. All right. And your business, personal and professional life. What can you do and change it? And so instead of working in it, because the day-to-day grind, we're busy, we're tired. There's lots of things taking our attention, lots of distractions out in the marketplace. And it's what do we give our intention to? Where do we spend our time and our effort? And like you said, change it. If we don't like our results, change it. And it starts with awareness. And then that's where I think your seven and a half days of reflection over the holidays is a good time to do it. So Jim, in wrapping up, let's talk about what you're working on. What kind of projects are you going in? How can people get engaged if they want to receive some coaching? Because I know you help guide people through the rethinking process. You yep. help organizations go through the rethinking process. What can we explore and how do they find you? Well, it's kind of like when you go to those websites where you see good, better, best. Yeah. They have the list. You can do the basic subscription or the upgrades or whatever, get the premium best of the best. I have created in 2022, I created new video series, one called Acorns to Oaks, which was about the kind of things you and I've been talking about. And that's a subscription program that is published by Tome, T-O-M-E app out of Dallas. And I'm really proud of that. And then I've got the Going Pro program that you referenced earlier, and that's an eight-week mentorship plus a two-and-a-half-day mastermind event here in Austin, Texas. But the eight weeks of mentorship is done through Zoom calls and I guide people through the process of determining what they want, what they're best at, what would give them the biggest payoff if they focused on it for an extended period of time and so forth. Because when you decide you're going pro, the rules change. Right. The expectations are higher. It's not the same as being a good amateur. When you go pro, everything counts. So that's an eight-week process. And then for those that just say, look, Jim, I love the way you think. I want you in my life. 
I want you on hand as an advisor. I want to be able to sit in on your meetings. I want access to your friends like Michael so that I can hear from your wisdom counsel. And I want you to give me speech coaching and personal direct advice on making my life better. I'd even like to write a book with you. You know, then I tell them, okay, here's the deal. It's the Experts Academy mentorship. It's a full year. And they just put me on retainer. It costs about the same as it would to hire a personal assistant for a year. Right. And I'm there for them. And I've got their back. And here's my hook. Come with me and let's discover how much more successful you can be. As I think Jim Pensero says, we're good. We know you're good, but can you do better? Is there room yeah. for growth, right? So yeah. they just go to free.cathcart.com, free.cathcart.com, and they can get a 54-lesson book on speaking and presentations, and then they can schedule a call with me. Or they go to book.cathcart.com if they're interested in publishing a book through Cathcart Press. And at book.cathcart.com, there are a couple of videos they can watch, one on what does it mean to be a best-selling author right. as opposed to just book. And the other one is, where is the book in you and how do you find it? Awesome. Those are free, by the way. No, you've got lots of great resources. We'll put all the links in the show notes so people can get all Thank of you. the links. Everything we've talked about will be in the show notes as well. And Jim, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about rethinking. And it really is this step number one to achieving massive improvements in your life. And you do a great job of that. And I love that framework, the eight days to reflect personally. And again, you're not committing eight solid days to it. You're just spending a little time on each day. So you can still yep. do other things in your holiday, but it's really about that reflective time. Basically you're doing an upgrade to your software. That's right. You may end up dancing every morning. Pretty nice outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Jim, always a pleasure. Happy New Year. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My production team is Beth Smith and Kendra Vickers. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting.